We had our monthly visit with Mayor Scott Gillingham today. So we asked, "What's the first thing on the docket as to working with the new provincial leadership in Manitoba?" Also, we had to ask him about a city councilor's suggestion on what she'd like to see with the money that is brought in by Photo Radar. It's Thursday, which means our weekly small town salute. We headed out to Selkirk to learn about the Cozy Fox. WPW, Winnipeg Professional Wrestling. It's a genuine success story, and they've got a great event happening on Saturday called the Rumble in the Burt. And and Loren helped us kick off a fun but also important conversation on shrinkflation after she was irked by her car wash. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, October 5th podcast for The Start. Good morning, Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Another gloomy, been a gloomy week. What the heck? You sound chipper. What's going on, Brett? Trying to, you know. Oh, like a fake it till you make it kind of scenario. Exactly, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm really inside, I'm just like, bleh. I, <laughs> I just want to go back to sleep, bleh. Forte just said to me, how's it going? You know, Forte's always chipper. How are you? I'm like, I, when the alarm went off, Forte, I wanted to cry. <laughs> and then you pop on. You're like, good morning. I'm like, what the heck is going on with this team? Yeah, I thought I thought maybe, I thought I could fake it, but it, that lasted all of what, five seconds? I brought you right down to where I want you. Excellent. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Greg, are we faking it or just going to just admit where we're at? I uh, had a great nap yesterday. Uh, (laughs) I went home (laughs) yesterday morning and I turned off my phone and I had about six voicemails when I woke up at one o'clock. Wow. Called not one person back. Yeah. Rolled over and I set my alarm, went right back to sleep. Oh, good. (laughs) And then I did some of the things that I normally have to do, ran my kids around, put my uh, Uber hat on. And uh, Uber doesn't pay very well. People say that it's not a bad (laughs) side gig. I haven't made a single dollar from my Uber career to this point in time. Uh, But that's an aside. And uh, yeah, and I went to bed early last night and yeah. I'm ready to go. I wish it was Blue Bomber game day or something like that. It's Jets game day. Yeah. Jets tonight. Oh, yeah. Jets, Senators, Canada Life Center. It's the final preseason game of the year. Looks like the Jets are getting healthy. So um, might have to check that game out tonight. Sacrifice some sleep. That's that's a good move, eh? Get caught up on sleep and then just, yeah, I'll just go out till 1030 tonight. <laughs> Isn't that what life is? You know, you eat healthy one day and then you're like, you know, I deserve these chips. Yeah. And then the next day you get some sleep and then you're like, I should stay up later and watch the show that I don't even care about until uh, 3 a.m. You know? chips yesterday. Me Ugh. too, buddy. Me uh. too. I went to, you, you mentioned nap. I went to, I had a haircut yesterday afternoon, which is in my barber's in Transcona. And uh, good morning, Joe. And I, so I went to visit my dad before that. And I was there like, 15 minutes. I got there around 1115. <laughs> I was there maybe 15 minutes and I just like, I, I got hit by this freight train and just started yawning and yawning. And I said, dad, I think I got to lie down. <laughs> and I slept for like an hour and then I got up and I had, it was time to go. I'm like, well, thanks dad. I appreciate it. Thanks for letting me come. Thanks sleep for the on commiseration. <laughs> you know what that tells me? That's a compliment to your dad. Like it's like, yes. you know, when you can finally relax or you, it's the moment where your body knows you're in a safe spot. And I don't mean safe because you're getting like, shot at in the streets as you race towards I don't you know like you're just no. you feel good 
That you know right? that's that's great perspective, and I appreciate because I, so, I sort of felt guilty. But you're right; that is kind of a compliment. No, it means you can still go home and be at home. Exactly. <laughs> and actually, that happened a few weeks ago. I went and hung out with my buddy Kent. And we would, whenever I, we get together, we'll typically stay up till two, three in the morning playing video games or whatever. And uh, by the, it was like 11.30 p.m. on a Saturday night, and I, I'm sitting on the couch beside him, and I said, I think I got to, I think I need to shut my eyes for a minute, dude. And he said, sure, go ahead. And then I woke up like an hour later, and he too had fallen asleep. I'm like, <laughs> is this 45 slash 46 years old? You get together with your pals and you take naps? Yes. And But the question was, were you were you cuddling on the yellow leather oh, couch? Oh, Ross and Joey <laughs> no, although, although he had somehow managed to fall asleep like full face down. Like he was on his stomach, face down on the couch. Like he was like, how are you breathing right now, well, dude? That's why you were there, just in case to save his life. That's why this all. There's a reason behind everything, Brett. There are everything, Loren. There are long, awkward, pregnant pauses in conversation, but when you can go an hour in the same room and just sleep in the same room as your friends, that's rock solid friendship. Yeah, that's yeah. like you should make him a bracelet ASAP. <laughs> <laughs> Nap pals. <laughs> That's what they'll call us. <laughs> um, so, okay, gloomy morning. It looks like it's going to rain all day. But just uh, for on a positive note, I looked at the two-week forecast, and while it's we're, we're beyond the heat, but it looks like consistent double-digit temperatures potentially for a couple of weeks or around like 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 degrees. So that's pretty cool. Um, and uh, we should also, before we forget to point this out, Loren, uh, 835, our monthly visit with the mayor. Yeah, and so of course we have questions to ask him. He's welcoming in a new premier designate. So what might be his first ask of Premier Wa- Designate Wab Canoe. That might be one of the questions. But Brett, you noticed something on the way into work that uh, sparked my interest because you, I, as soon as you texted this, I was like, "He's right." The bus shelters. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed yesterday uh, that the two bus shelters at Osborne and River, so on either side of Osborne, the the glass is gone, and it might have been like that for weeks. I don't know. It just finally occurred to me, like that both of them had no glass. Hmm. And there's a shelter I referenced uh, recently on Graham. It's in front of the Millennium Library. And I think all of the glass in the front of that shelter is gone. And that's a rather large one, right? Yeah. It's uh, about th- like the equivalent of three regular-sized ones sort of string- strung together, right? Yeah, that's a big one. So I, try- I, had, uh, I, kn- I took a look on the way in, in the cab, to see if I could spot any more. There are three bus shelters at Osborne and Broadway, at various corners, they all still had glass, but I'm just, I am noticing more bus shelters with no glass. So are they removing it or is it a situation where the glass has been broken and they're just, they, they remove the mm-hmm. remnants of it and they're like, well, wow, we're throwing our hands up in the air with this one. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Well, there's a question because I know around this time last year, maybe summer of 2022, we were asking about the cost of repairing glass and bus shelters and I think halfway through 22, they were at $230,000 worth of repairs. And so if that trend is continued, you're talking, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars per year, maybe until they a, a better longer term solution, Greg, is sorted. You look at that and you think that's money not maybe well spent right now to the detriment, though, of those who use those shelters. And, and in fact, when I drove by one during that rain on Election Day, 
uh, on Tuesday, there was a lot of people in the bus shelters where I felt terrible because the water was splashing in. Mm. And traditionally, that would have been maybe cases where there was no, there was a little bit of protection even from the rain, right? And there wasn't there. Yeah, yeah, it's because uh, that's what I was thinking yesterday. I think when I w- went out, it was sunny at the moment. But if I was standing in that bus shelter, in even in this rain, not really providing a ton of shelter. Maybe, maybe it might keep you from getting soaked from above. But if there's any wind, that rain's coming in. So we'll ask the mayor about that at eight thirty-five. But up next, we just want to do a bit of a quick recap of what happened on Tuesday and what is coming from Wab Canoe. Trigger warning, trigger warning. Loren, it's one of those topics that you, all you got to say are the two words and blood starts to boil. Photo radar. Mean... Oh, good. I was, I was like, I'm not saying Port of Jemaine. I'm not saying <laughs> water park. We're talking probably something that gets you even more riled up, and that is photo radar. And you've been hearing some of the audio in the news run with Sarah from City Councilor Janice Lukes, who says that these traffic cameras we're using, these photo radar cameras, they don't collect data. They're not sharing additional information for us to learn from and beyond that she says if we're going to use this technology where's the money going if we reinvest in photo radar can we then take some of that money and put it into safety like we've been talking about school zones the money from that doesn't go into lights to make those zones any safer beyond the signage so we're going to carry that chat on at seven and what do you think about photo radar and the possibility that if we expand it make that network bigger greg could we actually benefit from that in a longer run? Councillor Lukes is pointing to Sweden and their network of about 2,000 cameras. And I w- was doing some research on the impact, the effectiveness of those cameras. And when we have this discussion, I'm going to tell you what I found out that I did not expect to find out about the disappearance of about 10% of these cameras and where those cameras are ending up. It's fascinating. I'll have more on that at 7.05. In the meantime, a Manitoba cabinet minister defeated in Tuesday's provincial election, as you heard in Sarah's newscast, is saying that the progressive conservative party she has served for years took a hard right pivot during the election campaign and now needs to address an identity crisis. Yes, that's the message from Rochelle Squires, who was family minister, family's minister until the campaign was called four weeks ago. She served in several cabinet posts since 2016 and spoke to the Canadian press after the Conservatives lost Tuesday night. She told them she was surprised by campaign ads, which touted the government's opposition to a landfill search for the remains of Indigenous women. I think that the, um, the negative attacks... Uh, were uh, crossing a line and very, very distasteful to many Manitobans. So a reminder, those ads, which included billboards, they talked about a conservative government that would, quote, stand firm on request to search the Prairie Green landfill for the remains of two women. Squires told the Canadian press, quote, it certainly was a surprise and certainly was something that was not reflective of the work that we have been doing in government for the last seven and a half years, and it's deeply regrettable. That's Rochelle Squire speaking to Canadian Press. So she decided that uh, when running in the re-election for Riel, that she would stay out of the campaign spotlight and focus on her own seat. And it's true, in the last few weeks, you certainly didn't hear from her. And keep in mind, she was something many but were talking about as potentially the next face of the Conservative Party. And no matter what she did or did not do in the spotlight over the last three weeks, the strategy didn't work. She also lost her seat Tuesday, despite 
the pressure there uh, right up until election night, even on our own airwaves as the votes were coming in. Tory campaign manager Marnie Larkin defended those ads, saying that they showed Stephenson can make tough decisions in the face of tremendous public pressure. But as far as Rochelle Squires is concerned, it might suggest the Tories are moving further to the right. She also pointed to the campaign that talked about having stronger parental rights in schools. And so she thinks there might be some sort of tough decisions for party faithful to make in the months ahead. Now the party needs to decide, does it uh, want to pivot right and um, lose the progressiveness in the title and be but then be honest about it? Progressive conservative in Manitoba. I, I, I've always felt that that was very deliberate. That was part of the marketing, part of the branding of the Conservative Party in Manitoba, Loren. And when the leadership switched from Brian Pallister to Heather Stephenson, I think that was a large part of the conversation was the fact that the PCs, the progressive conservatives in our province needed to maybe move a little bit closer to the progressive part of that title, of that declaration, that self-imposed declaration of progressive conservative. And it felt as though that's what we were seeing, in particular in the lead up to the to the election campaign. There were so many announcements, funding announcements. How many times did we comment on this air amongst ourselves with other hosts, with, with people in the public? A lot of these announcements feel like NDP announcements, like the two parties had flipped identities almost in the lead up to the election and with the announcements and the promises. And so now Rochelle Squire is coming out and saying, I was not in favor of this. She's being, she's being admonished a little bit, being ridiculed in some circles for not speaking up a couple of weeks ago when these, when these ads began, I'll leave that aside, but she's now, you know, saying this party is at a crossroads within itself. And do we want to be the conservative party of Manitoba or do we want to redeclare ourselves progressive conservative or not? And I think she's got a point. There's two conversations out of this in my mind uh, and many more, but the ones that stand out are what you brought up. Okay. So what does this mean for the identity of the conservative party? And if you have someone like her who was, who is a moderate again, you might see her rise again in politics because uh, she's someone that was mentioned two years ago as a possible leadership candidate for premier. And who knows uh, with Stephenson stepping down that where this will go, but there, there might be those who, who are in that party who do agree that there is a need for a deep conversation on who are we to your second point. I do think this is what people find hard and, and and difficult about politics is that because of that party system where you have to go in with your party and, and in theory win the most seats so that you can vote together on all these issues and stand together and, and that's the way you create change as a party working together, well, then you feel like you can't speak out. Well, if you truly feel something is distasteful, which was the word used and not in the spirit of A, your party and B, who you are. I think it's unfortunate that there's the sense that either you can't speak out, shouldn't speak out, or won't speak out. And it had me thinking back to the times when Greg Salinger raised the PST and he had the Rebel Five, we called them, step out in front of the cameras and say, we're not in favor of this. And it led to a whole leadership race and all sorts of conflict and turmoil within the party and people calling them names like, you know, you're backstabber and all the rest. But man, when you can't be honest about who you are, let alone who your party is or isn't, I think that makes it really hard and it makes it hard for the public to maybe even trust that kind of system.
This week, we've been giving away two prizes per day. We had heebie-jeebies VIP package and uh, 25. And by the way, do not. Today, we're going to put aside the text turkey. So don't text the word turkey to 204-780-6868. But we do have a $25 voucher for Manitoba Turkey and five turkey cookbooks up for grabs. And today's topic has to do with what we're calling car wash shrinkflation. Loren, what happened yesterday? Okay, so as you know, I hit that skunk on election day in the car. It smelled a little bit better because of the rain, but I sh- driving the kids all over the place uh, last night, and as, as in between drop-offs, I thought I have just enough time for a car wash. Normally, I like to use the wand. Instead, went to a gas station and just did that drive-in, right? So first of all, I go in. I think I just got the basic. It's just shy of $13, which seems higher than it was even six months ago, but fine. I go in, and I think, oh, that'll give me five, six minutes to send a couple work emails while the car is getting washed. I didn't even get through the first email before I'm emerging through the dryer. And I think, what the heck just happened? It was 90 seconds. The car is apparently clean for $13. I look back. My back window is still 50. I get filthy. I get out, go over, have to clean the car and the side view mirror and the windows. The back still got dirt all over it. And I think 13 bucks, maybe 90 seconds. Now the car wash is shrinkflating me. Like that's <laughs> what it felt like. And I'm just, I'm done with paying more for less. I get that everything's costing more. I understand that for everybody, but you've already charged me more. And now you're also shortchanging me on my experience. Now, maybe I'm insane. Maybe it's not shorter, but I was done. I sent this long rant to Greg and Brett. And I, I just think there's too many examples now of more for less. And it's driving me nuts. Yeah, no, I, th- I I feel like the car washes have gotten shorter. I remember the last one I went through, I was in and out of there in like, I don't know, three minutes. That just And I thought that just felt, I felt like I felt ripped off because I, I, I partly just because I, I giggle at the car wash. I still enjoy going through a car wash, <laughs> right? Especially when you get that multicolored rainbow oh, soap that stuff or whatever. Is great. You feel as though it's it's doing all the things it promises to do. Yeah. Now, Loren, in defense of the car wash, I saw your car yesterday. Oh no, it's dirty. I mean, it I was live in extra a- filthy. Like, I live in this. This is not. <laughs> This is not like a cursory car wash, like uh, raindrops got on it. and so I understand that. Yeah, I live in so... rural Manitoba. I take dirt roads every single day. Say, so I get it. Like, it's dirtier than a normal, maybe city folk car. But my point being is that it still was 13 bucks. It was a two It's as dirty as experience. a Sherman tank. Let's be I, honest. It was not. Give me a break. That's not even the point. Uh, you, you always get out of those car washes and your car is usually still dirty. They're not the ideal situation. They're for a quick fix to sort mm-hmm. of clean it up and move on. The point was the cost and the experience. And it's like the same way I feel about bags of chips now that look like Halloween bags for $3. Agreed. The Diet Coke I had the other day at McDonald's for more than 3 bucks. I mean, all these things I know I can cut out of my life. But what is with the double-ended feels like gouging? Yeah. Short service, too much money. 204-780-6868. Something where you feel like you're paying more for getting less than you used to. My example comes from Cineplex. And I, I didn't realize it's been this long, but in 2015, they changed the size of their large drink from 44 ounces to 32 ounces. And the regular drink went from 32 ounces to 24 ounces. But uh, they didn't change the price. So they reduced the size of the cup significantly. 
and they they they're like, well, I want to help the environment, and you know, f- want to encourage no. uh, healthier living. I hate yeah, that. Give me a break. No, <laughs> the bottom line, baby. Yeah, that's it. Well, and not only that, they want you to finish your drink and go get another one. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you're eating a giant bag of popcorn, which really is just like a bucket of salt and butter. You're going to power through that drink by halfway through the bag. That iced tea goes quick. Yeah. What, what ticks me off is that it costs like 15 bucks for popcorn and a drink, which for the theater, it, like, that'd be like, what, 10 cents? And you're mm-hmm. paying $15? Yeah. And they're shrinkflation it? Is yeah. that a word? Well, I'll jump in with mine real quick because mine ties into yours, Brett. Uh, I don't really go to fast food anymore, but every once in a while, it, it just... Happens. It happens because you, you're on the fly. You got to feed yep. a kid, right? Yep. yep, yep, And so we're sitting in McDonald's in Southdale the other day and I look over and there's a sign on the Coke machine that says no refills. Mm-hmm. I'm like, when did that start? Now, I know maybe during COVID they kind of did that, but there's still no refills now? I'm like, uh, that's yeah. part of the reason why I like to go to those <laughs> places is because I can have a pop. I can refill it, mm-hmm. and then if I really want more, I can get one before I leave. Yeah. So, um, hmm. and like the, as Loren pointed out, they're nine dollars now for a pop. <laughs> yeah, it's just it, it's ridiculous. Point just, and, oh, go ahead, Loren. I just want to point something else. Just to additionally irk you when when package or drink sizes or others get small enough. They then don't qualify as groceries. They qualify as snacks, and then there's sometimes additional taxes yes. on those. So then you're just paying you're paying more. Double more on less. It's shrinkflation, chaos. We need a new word. Like it's (laughs) taking me off right now. Poetress, what you got? Well, like I guess this this kind of goes with this as well. I was recently at a uh, at a bulk a popular bulk sales uh, outlet. Okay, you can probably guess what place I'm talking about. And I got uh, some olive oil, two liters of olive oil. I thought, wow, this is a really good price. This is usually, oh, this is fine. And then I usually do some shopping there. Then I went to uh, another place where I, I, I grab the other stuff that is just not really a good deal. Um, and I went and just took a gander down the olive oil aisle. And the olive oil was on sale for $9. Uh. So I lost 4 bucks. <laughs> and I know it's just $4, but it, like, bothered me the rest of the day. It would. <laughs> Hey, that's just, $4 is a chunk of change it is. on it one is. item. And it wasn't like I was being taken advantage of at this other place. I certainly wasn't. It was a good price. But I didn't know that this other place was on sale. And I was just like, why don't you, you have to check these things. <laughs> check the flyers. Check the flyers. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> time Keep is on money. top of this. Time is money too, Gamma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, at least that's what I tell myself when I don't do enough investigating on that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's... Sarah, what about you? Yes, mine was the chip thing. I mean, there's been so much air in the bags forever, but it's just getting worse. I got, I never like buy the little like Halloween type bags of chips, the small, small size, but I just wanted to snack the other day, popped into a gas station and uh, yeah, there was about five Lay's chips in the bag and <laughs> my snack was gone. <laughs> so, they are the oh Halloween. It, they look like the Halloween size. Yeah, now. I really think do. so. I think so. I had one of those Halloween size and like, again, there was six chips in there. Yes. <laughs> I was done in two seconds. Yeah. Before I even left the gas station. It's the same with like a box of Smarties now. They're Mm -hmm. half the size of what they used to be. Ridiculous. Uh, Forte, what about you? For me, it's, I don't know if this happened in Canada yet, but Prime Video, apparently, like you're paying for your subscription, but now they're going to add 
ads in. Oh, yeah. And yeah. you're going to actually have to pay more to get those ads off. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm already paying my subscription. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I signed up for. I didn't sign up for ads. And I, I like, I, I can understand if they're like, hey, you know, if you want to pay five bucks, you can get your subscription, but you have to watch ads. But when I'm paying the full price, no, 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 don't add ads in. Oh, geez, yeah. I, I knew that, I heard that that was coming, but I thought, I didn't realize that we're going to have to pay, oh, man. There's going to be this yeah, brief period more. of history where it's like, you remember when there wasn't any ads on this stuff? <laughs> like, kids had to watch commercials. Well, guess what, kids? It's coming. Yeah. You're going to have to sit through commercials again like we did for our whole lives. School bus is going to have ads in the back of the seats, like videos playing to them or something. <laughs> uh, hey, on the note of Prime, actually, yeah, there's a Mr. Dress-Up dress documentary coming on the 10th, I believe. Uh, so We'll tell you more about that tomorrow morning. And today on the Couch Potatoes. On the lighter side of things today... Well, it's actually on the complainy side. We are complaining about the things that feel like we're paying more and we're getting less. Uh, this was inspired by Loren's trip to the car wash yesterday. And we have actually a really good point, Loren, from Sandy as it pertains to our pets. Yeah, and I understand that there are businesses that have costs going up and so that they're adding those costs to the consumer because they have to cover their own bottom line. What we're talking about is the cost going up. And then on the other end, you're also finding you're getting less, whether it's size or service or what have you. It's not, and, and the question is why and where might you be seeing that? And so Sandy says, I have three dogs, 10 cats, birds, rabbits. You want to talk shrinkflation. Pet food is ridiculously expensive. Yesterday, checking bird seed for my, I think it's a sun canoe and lovebirds. I see the bag of seed that I normally buy pick it off the shelf, and nearly slipped out of my hands. She almost dropped it, saying it was $20 for a two-pound bag that she used to pay under $14 for, and now the bag is also smaller. Sandy says, I have one cat on a special diet. Her food has gone from $11.99 to $26. Are you kidding me? And people wonder why pets are being surrendered, said Sandy. Who can afford to have one, never mind multiples? I came home feeling very gouged. Ridiculous. And we've heard that often from when we have... uh animal advocates on the humane society about pets being surrendered in part because of cost. But the real question for me this morning is, is the, the shrinkflation has slowly been creeping in, but if the costs are going up and I'm getting less, does it not feel like the, that's a double whammy or something unfair is happening or am I wrong? I think you're totally right to pay more, to get less. Uh, just, it hurts a lot. And with this pet stuff, um, I know somebody who, for the last several years, they they have to buy their cat uh, very specific food. The cat's got some some digestive issues and can only eat this one kind of food that they have to go to a vet to buy this specific brand. And and even five years ago, it cost seventy five bucks for a bag of this food, and I think it's well north of a hundred dollars now. Uh, so yeah, it's not it's already not cheap to have a pet and but if you're if you're on a budget and the pet food is skyrocketing like this that's that's a big concern yeah. i think it's everywhere you turn uh, one of our listeners said what about bacon yeah bacon and hot dog packs years ago right used to go to the store and buy a pound of bacon i'm trying to remember what that worked out to in grams yeah not a pound anymore no they they shrunk the size of the packages and now hot dogs, you don't get a dozen in a pack anymore. You can maybe find them, but that's not the preferred size. So 204-780-6868, what are you paying more for and getting less for a chance to win a $25 voucher for Manitoba Turkey and five turkey cookbooks? We will pick a winner for that at 915.
It's time for our small town salute, where we exit the perimeter highway to tell you about something cool happening in Manitoba. And here's another example of how many of our stories come from you. We got an email recently from someone named Brian Loren who says... I was recently in a beautiful store in Selkirk called The Cozy Fox. They're a hidden gem in the interlake. The owners and workers really care about all their vendors and customers. And when you walk in, you're greeted with the friendliest faces. I was in the store for easily over an hour and felt like I knew the owners for years. They help local small businesses get off the ground. There were many beautiful creations in the store. Oh, that got our attention big time. Helping entrepreneurs. Brian goes on to say, I left with natural remedies from Forest Mama, infused oils from Prairie Oils, a dragon that was printed on a 3D printer, and a few other things. I was really hoping they could get some more exposure, especially with Christmas coming up. So let's do that. Pat and Ken Kavalik own the Cozy Fox in Selkirk and join us now. Good morning, Pat. Good morning. And Ken, are you there too? Good morning, sir. Hello there. So Pat, we'll start with you. What is the Cozy Fox? So the Cozy Fox is uh, a place where we support um, makers and crafters and Manitoba small businesses to help promote their products and sell them. Um, and I'm just going to correct one thing. We are two of six owners. So we, there's a group of us that are handcrafters and Manitoba small businesses that started this business a year, uh, six months ago or seven months ago. So we basically rent space to uh, people that would like to try and sell their wares and, um, and take it from there. Ken, how how did you come up with this concept? I mean, we've seen these uh, these different markets and stuff that are maybe two or three days long. Where where did you get this idea, and, and how did you implement it? Uh, well, you know, we use we did markets, and a, a group of us met at markets over the years, and uh, it just came came out to uh, something we wanted to do, and we met uh, at markets, and then it started from there. One of our uh, owners had a, a great idea for. Uh, uh, a vision for the store is and and the, the the shelving and everything, and we got on it right away. And uh, you know, today here we are. <laughs> you know, Ken, it's interesting in this sort of sort of to be an, an emerging trend pre-pandemic and then in and out of the pandemic. A, all these great local businesses that are doing things, but maybe don't have the bricks and mortar location or can't afford it on their own to set up shop, and so they come together in a space like yours and say, "Well, let's do this together." So, how many vendors, Ken, are you supporting? Uh, there's just currently 95. Woo! It's wonderful. So it's a great group, and they're all great vendors and hardworking people. And uh, I grew up, uh, I grew up in a family business, and I tell you, seeing people doing something that they love, great, great feeling. Well, and tell it, Ken, tell us about this uh, this dragon that was printed on uh, with a 3D printer. Who's who's the source of that? 3D Mush is is uh, it's Jen. Uh, and James, and uh, they do this on 3D printers, and they do big stuff, uh, like big dragons and smaller dragons, and they're into the gaming scene, too, as well, which I don't know too much about. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fabulous, and, it, and people just love it, and they have some great colors. Yeah, they're just amazing little dragons. I, uh, I would like to invite you guys uh, to come to the store sometime and, and see it. You can count on that. It's not that far from where I live in the north end of the city, so Pat... If uh, I'm out there, have you got room for more vendors? Yes, we probably could get another 20, at least another 20 vendors in there. 
Uh, we find space for anyone that wants to come in. Um, we try to limit so we don't have a lot of the same products in there so our vendors can succeed. Like, there's lots of jewelry makers out there. We'd love to have them all in the store, but then they're competing against each other and so somebody won't succeed. So we want people to succeed. So we do limit to how many we have in the store of soap makers and um, knitters and crocheters and, um, and jewelry and uh, body care, that sort of thing. Pat, it wasn't so long ago. I feel it was in the last few months we actually had someone on from Selkirk just talking about the big improvements to downtown Selkirk, uh, the business zone, just looking to draw more people in. And so where do we find the Cozy Fox, Pat? So the Cozy Fox is found uh, close to the Selkirk General Hospital. So we're not in the downtown area. We're on um, 635, 637 Morris Avenue at, on the corner of Easton Drive and Morris Avenue. So we're on the way to the hospital. Anyone who's coming in town and using Highway 9A, they just stay on Highway 9A and they'll find us. Who is the Cozy Fox? What inspired that name? Uh, It was funny. We were sitting around brainstorming one evening and uh, throwing the names out there and thinking we wanted something that would make people think Oh, I want to go check that out. That sounds interesting. Or, oh, what is that? <laughs> yeah, or what is it? The website is thecozyfox.ca. It looks like a wonderful store. And uh, we thank you very much for joining us this morning to tell us a little bit about your shop. You're welcome. Thank you for having us. Pat and Ken Kavalik are two of six owners of The Cozy Fox in Selkirk. Once again, the website, thecozyfox.ca, where when you go there, uh, there is a cozy little fox right on the homepage named Felicity. Felicity the Fox welcomes you to The Cozy Fox. <laughs> it's a great way to uh, not only to shop, but I think this is a great way to inspire uh, those that have come up with a great product, a great business concept, but don't necessarily have the wherewithal or the want to maybe set up their own website, but an opportunity for them to sell their wares physically without having to open in their own store. Yeah. Like it's, it's a brilliant idea. Yes, indeed. So, Brian, thank you very much to, for bringing this to our attention. And, of course, if you have an idea for a small-town salute, to, or you can text it to us at 204-780-6868, or you can email Mackling at cjob.com, McNabb at cjob.com, or Brett at cjob.com. What are you paying more for and getting less? Chesney, with an interesting observation. Well, we're talking this morning about all the ways we're just feeling that shrinkflation, like where you feel like you're being doubly gouged, right? And so all sorts of examples coming in from lip balm to Pete. Chocolate bars to all the rest. Uh, Chesney is telling us this morning, and I'm sorry, guys, I have a delay in my computer, that he ordered onion rings at a chain restaurant, not a fast food restaurant recently, got six onion rings for $12 plus tax, $2 an onion, onion ring. Last time there, I got 8 to 10 for $8. Oh. And, and it does feel, look, look, I'm not trying to put a knock on businesses. I get that their costs are going up too, Greg, but it does feel like almost like, say you visit a place only once every two months, you feel like you're seeing a change every couple months because that's how fast and furious these hikes are coming. Yeah. Sometimes they're incremental and almost not really you don't no- notice. You don't notice yeah. them, but now they, they seem to be a little bit more impactful and, and they're really 
really uh, noticeable. Uh, Maureen says, morning all women's deodorant is not only getting smaller, it's more expensive than men's. Ugh. Loren, how many stories have you done on that over the years, the difference between dry cleaning and deodorant and other things that uh, essentially men's and women's uh, products are the same, but women pay way more for. Maureen goes on to say, on average, women's deodorant is uh, 60 to 65 grams at about 6 to $7. Men's deodorant is 80 to 85 grams, around $5. I prefer the scent available in men's deodorant anyway. Thanks for that. Wonder what would it, if there is a if there is a logical explanation for that other than it's a woman's product, so we're going to charge more, like because we can get away with it. Is it just supply and demand? Like, do men just pound through more deodorant because we are stinky animals? Or <laughs> well, like, the, like this has been studied, like the, from both the cost formula. I remember uh, it was a couple of years ago. I think it was the uh, I want to say the L.A. Times, maybe it was New York, talking about the pink tax, right? Like that, you know, using the pink as gender and blah blah blah. But that that in many toiletry products, women might be paying more for things that make no sense. You know, the razors are fundamentally the same. The deodorant is the same. And in fact, even scientists have studied it. Like, is there a difference in the deodorant? Like, maybe there's different chemicals in ours and yours that therefore requires more cost the answer is no basically the only difference is fragrance for the most part and so it's it is frustrating and there has been some changes in that over the years but you're talking about how we have a gender pay gap and then when you look at some items the women's items are just more i don't other than that are we foolish enough to pay for it or just are we being doubly gouged there triply gouged if i look at the Cost going up, the size going down, and now there's a tax on the certain products for women. That's just bunk. Jeff P says, "I you, you, this whole conversation started with your trip to the car wash yesterday, Loren." And Jeff says, "I had a similar experience at a wand wash last week. I've been to wand washes, including the buggy bath, on a regular basis for years. If I do it myself, I can usually wash my whole car for ten bucks." Maybe sometimes 20, but I was shocked after I washed my car, went to go pay last week, and it was $37. What? was so upset I could have just gone to the chamois and got them to do a full in and out for that price. I did my usual routine, says Jeff. I sprayed my engine off, washed my car, did a quick vacuum. The same routine I do every time, and I tried to do it quick since I knew I was paying for my time in the building, and even drive out soaking wet and let it drive as I drove home. The week before last, I was at a wand wash on Osborne, did all the same thing for 14 bucks, and probably took longer because I wasn't paying for my time in the building like mm. I was at this other one. Uh, so that's interesting. If you're if, if you're paying for the time, I didn't know that was a thing, first of all. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. some of those where you're paying for your time, which some people like, right? Because then you can go to town with all the, the different uh, tire cleaners and all that sort of stuff. So you're probably, you know, paying a little bit more in the first place, but... Jeff showed me that receipt. That's a crazy amount of money to do a car wash. Yeah. yeah. And you had to do I, it yourself. Just Man. to lighten things up. Don's always keeping things funny for us because he's on the road. Don says McDonald's has rebanded their signature burger. It's now known as the Medium Mac. <laughs> <laughs> A year ago this month, 
Winnipeg elected a new mayor, and now Scott Gillingham has a new provincial leader to work with. So what might the mayor's first ask be? Well, let's find out. As always, on the first week of every month, we welcome to the start in studio Mayor Scott Gillingham. Mr. Mayor, thanks for taking the time and I assume walking in the rain. No dancing in the rain today? No dancing in the rain, but uh, it's a great morning and uh, thanks for having me. Okay, so we know it's early days basically a day, but <laughs> if there is one ask or one change you would like to make of the new provincial government, what would it be? Well, first of all, I want to congratulate uh, Premier-designate Wab Canoe and uh, and all the, the uh, men and women who were elected, uh, all, all the people elected uh, in uh, just in the last uh, 48 hours here. There are several priorities that I think we, the city of Winnipeg, and the province of Manitoba will share. And I, I, I believe, you know, at the top of the list in speaking with... Uh, uh, Mr. Canoe is addressing homelessness. That is uh, a, a situation both of us find to be something we need to tackle and tackle immediately. We've spoken about that before, he and I, and so looking forward to working on addressing homelessness in our city. There are some things that are long-term strategies that might take a while. And then, of course, uh, Premier-designate Canoe noted yesterday that he has a couple things he'd like to start first. And, and on top of his list, of course, is this possible search of the landfill. We had the federal government weighing in yesterday that it would provide more money to try and flesh out how that search for the remains of uh, two women might work. Are you at that table or is the city at the table talking through how they might play a role or, or you as the city might play a role, Mr. Gillingham? We stand ready to to assist. And, you know, I've said that uh, certainly all along, Loren, that is the senior levels of government need need our assistance with the Prairie Green landfill search, which is outside the city of Winnipeg? We're certainly willing to to assist, whether it's you know lending some of our our water waste staff or just just any information that they would need uh, or assistance. We're, we're willing to do that, and so we're looking. F- I'm pleased to see that that you know the announcement yesterday that progress is being made for the sake of the families, and we're looking forward to hearing from the federal and provincial government. So we've been talking this morning as well about photo radar. Councillor Janice Lukes feels the infrastructure is outdated, not gathering enough data, and that there should be a shift in how the money from fines is used. So that's some of it, i.e., that some of it needs to go into road safety improvements. So why don't we just start with the, the data collection? Do you have a sense of what is or is not gathered? Yeah, Councillor Lukes is correct. The data or the technology that is used was actually put in, written into legislation. So it's almost codified that photoradar has to use a certain type of technology. Well, we all know that ta- technology changes at a speed that is, is, is so rapid. So the technology that is in the systems is really outdated. And I know our chief of police, uh, both Ch- Chief uh, Smythe and prior to him, Chief Clunas raised this as an issue as well. And so looking, we'll, I'll be looking to speak to the provincial government at some point about looking at changes and making changes in the legislation to allow the city of Winnipeg to update uh, the technology being used. As far as using some of the revenues of photo radar to, to road safety other than policing, I'm, I'm very open to that as well. And uh, road safety is something that we as a council have started to really focus on. In fact, we put funds into the 2023 budget to establish a road, a road safety uh, employees and, and, and committee or a, a group that will uh, be part of the public works uh, team. And they'll be looking at, at road safety and how we can make sure that the city of Winnipeg's roads, especially some of our intersections, are safer. 
Mr. G- uh, Mr. Mayor, I-, I know it was the previous government that talked about reviewing photo radar. I think a report was supposed to come out in 2019. And then, of course, we had the pandemic. Things got delayed. I don't believe we ever saw anything out of that as a result. But the- when we talk about the need to gather more data and then maybe the need to divert funds from photo radar to other places, is this then saying we should have more photo radar period if we can find better use and or show people it's making a difference? Like, are you for more photo radar then? I'm for safer roads, Lorraine. And so if that means a combination of uh, photo radar put in different locations or changing road design, whatever we need to do to make Winnipeg's road safer, that's what we need to focus on. And however we get to that outcome is, uh, is the conversation I want to have. Another thing we wanted to ask you about is bus shelters. Like at a, I noticed yesterday, and I, it may have been this way for weeks, I don't know, but it finally just occurred to me that the bus shelters at River and Osborne on both sides of the street no longer have any glass. And I've noticed, uh, not every shelter, but I've noticed more and more shelters don't have glass in them, or at least the, the glass has been removed from the front side. So is that like, um, is this a strategy now to just not replace the glass? No, it's it's not a strategy to not replace the glass. Sometimes it's uh, it's about supply chain materials. It's about just the fact that unfortunately too many of our bus shelters have been vandalized. Like the bus shelters need to be for transit users, and we have to get back to that. And uh, you know, I'm looking forward to working with the new premier, premier designate Wab Canoe, and his team on designing a, a strategy for homelessness that is a one comprehensive plan. A bus shelter is not a dignified place for someone to be sleeping in or living in. And so I think we owe it to the individuals who are using them as, as shelters uh, for, for, you know, for, for housing, for all intents and purposes, to, to address that, get, you know, get them into a place where, where housing uh, with wraparound supports is, is where we ultimately uh, you know, are able to, to transfer people to. We're not there yet. Um, so I'm working with uh, our city staff, We'll be working at the province, working with the agencies that are, are uh, on the front lines of addressing homelessness to try to find ways to get people out of bus shelters and into housing because ultimately shel- bus shelters need to be for transit users. I know we're getting closer with regards to that transit safety strategy. You've got someone in place. Uh, Bob Christmas is going to lead that initiative. So that's a good sign from the safety standpoint. What about that transit master plan? I've been easy on you the last, you know, the first 11 months here. But where are we in implementing that master, master plan? It was a campaign commitment of mine a year ago to do all we can to expedite it. I sent a letter to all, of all three, uh, the provincial leaders prior to the election uh, it's talking about five priorities we have at the city of Winnipeg. One of them is expediting the transit master plans implementation. And so I'll be raising that again uh, with the new premier as a matter of, of priority for the city of Winnipeg. And I, again, think that is one of the shared goals that we could have. Increasing use of transit is is better for the city of Winnipeg on a number of fronts. It's environmentally better. Uh, it, it gets more cars off the road. It's a matter of convenience. We need to have a modern transit system. For our growing city, we really need to do more on that. And so uh, I'm looking forward to that discussion with the new provincial government because we would need assistance in funding to implement that. Any sense that that's a priority for the incoming premier, that, that in, improved transit in the city of Winnipeg? I didn't hear anything about it on the campaign trail. Do you get a sense that that Bob Canoe would be on board with that? Yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic that, that increasing uh 
transit and the use of transit would be a priority for, for this provincial government. I'm, I'm really optimistic that that'll be something that resonates with them and, and looking forward to uh, making progress on the implementation of the transit master plan. We, ju- we just have to do that for the sake of our city. So many of these things that, you know, it feels like we've been talking about them for years and I get that they're complex issues and sometimes there are the things we see, Mr. Mayor, and then there's the things that we don't see, right? And I know one of your colleagues has been pushing the, the pipe, so to speak, on talking about sewage for years now. And I, and I believe out some point this morning is going to be a report on sewage overflow into our rivers from our water and waste committee. And just for background for our listeners, I want to give this, you know, about a third of the, our city relies on this combined sewer system. So the pipes collect both sewage and rain and snow water runoff. And they do that so that if we have periods of heavy rain, then the sewage might not always make it to sewage treatment plant it might end up in the river to avoid basement overflows, right? That's I'm trying to paraphrase the background here. But we've been talking for years about the idea that that's still so gross to have this happening on an ongoing basement basis. And that the last timeline we were given is that this combined sewage overflow system wouldn't be fixed until 2095. So is there any urgency to speed that speed up that timeline? Your counselor, your colleague, Councillor Mays, doesn't think there is. I'll give credit to Councillor Mays because uh, when it comes to the combined sewer overflow matter and addressing that, he has been really leading the charge on calling on us as a council to do more. And in fact, in the last term of council, we added more funding to addressing combined sewer overflows each year. And so we're, we're doing more than we used to. So that that is being sped up. But you're right. Unless there's funding from senior levels of government and the city of Winnipeg uh, the city of Winnipeg would have to go it alone. If we have to go it alone, it's, it, the cost is passed on to ratepayers through water sewer bills, and it's going to take a long, long time to get this addressed. Uh, so this is another matter. When you take this and you couple it, Loren, with the work we are doing on the, the North End Sewage Treatment Plant through three phases, the $2 billion project, those two projects, Combined Sewer Overflow Program, the North End Plant Upgrades, uh, represent the, the really the largest projects the city of Winnipeg has ever taken on, and we're doing them for environmental reasons, for growth reasons, and to make sure we comply with provincial regulation. How much money does the city of Winnipeg move from the water utility into general revenue? I know at one time it was thirty million dollars a year. Is that still the case, Mayor Gillingham? It's around it's around uh, thirty, I believe, about thirty five million dollars, thirty six million dollars. What we did is we used to have um, it used to be a twelve percent of the revenues. Uh, when I chaired the finance committee, we dropped it to 11% of, uh, of revenues. And uh, would I like to see it reduced further? Yes, yes, I would. But uh, practically, we, you know, we, need to, uh, we need to replace those revenues with some other stream. I, I, as a, as a rate payer, I would like to see every penny of that $35 million going to the sewer renewal projects, to the, the North End treatment plant. I, I feel like that's exactly where that money should be going, not into general revenue. Your thoughts? I, I Look, I, I appreciate that, uh, you, you know, Greg. That's one of the reasons why you know, when I chaired the finance committee, I tried to get us to drop it. And we did drop it, you know, 1%. Would I like to go further? Yes, I would. <clears throat> but that, once again, is why we need two things. We need a new funding model from the province of Manitoba, which is one of the other of the five requests I put into the letter. One of them is to change the funding model that the city of Winnipeg, uh, you know, has with the province of Manitoba to receive funding from, from the province. Because we really rely as a city on property tax revenue as the primary source of revenue. And so our revenue streams are limited, which forces the city of Winnipeg to make difficult decisions. Um, so we also need, with, with the increase in costs related to the North End plant, because interest rates have gone up and labor costs have gone up, 
That project, the North End Plant Project, is funded by the federal and provincial government and the city of Winnipeg. The costs have gone up. We need the senior levels of government to assist with covering the increase in costs. Uh, we'll, we'll pay our share as a city, but we can't go it alone. Our monthly visit with Mayor Scott Gillingham. Mr. Mayor, thank you very much for the time. We appreciate it. Thank you all. Have a good day. Stuff where you're paying more and getting less. And we had a note earlier from Sandy on the cost of pet food and how it's skyrocketing. And Kristen with another one. Kristen always likes to send pictures of her dog. And she says, how about the price of nail trims? Used to be the standard that most groomers would offer $5 walk-in nail trims, including cleaning it up with the Dremel at the end. And it takes less than five minutes. They could easily fit it in while grooming other clients. Somewhere along the line, says Kristen, someone decided they should all standardize the rates, and it is now around $18. I absolutely recognize the need to charge more for difficult pets, says Kristen, but this price jump is detrimental to the health of everyday critters because I know many people who now only bring their pets in once a year, which makes the whole experience more stressful for all parties because long nails create a whole host of problems. Then getting them short again is tough and the pets are extra fearful because they aren't accustomed to it. Uh, they, they build a resilience to it. And then the, the danger of damaging I think it's, is it the capillaries in their nails, right? Yeah. If you cut them too close, they'll bleed. And so uh, the longer the nails, the the shorter the space, I think you actually even have to work with without doing that damage. Oh. Kristen, you can feel free or anybody else. Said, but that's how I've other, always understood it, why you need to keep on top of it as opposed to it becoming an ordeal every single time. Uh, one of our, our cat, she's really fine with it. My brother-in-law does it for me and he just holds her or whatever. And then done in no really? time flat. Oh yeah. Oh. But that's cause we started doing it as soon as we got her. And so it's just part, sort of a routine now, as opposed to leaving it. That, that, that whole thing makes sense to me. What do you do with moose? Loren? I, we do take him, but it's not regular. And sometimes it just depends on how active he is. Like if he gets out for lots of bike rides and right. runs. Yeah, he's his probably nails, wearing his nails he's, down. He wears right? his nails right down on the pavement. In winter, it's a bit harder, right? So you need to pay more attention. But in the summer, he's given her. And I've shared video with you guys. Like he doesn't have a slow speed. So like he comes barreling out of the house at 100 kilometers per hour. I haven't clocked it, but it's fast. And then slides across the driveway to try to stop himself and then jumps back into the house and slides across the floor. And by that time, he's had a nice little nail trim. So it's like a daily thing for him. He can't slow down. He, the number of times that dog goes so fast that he hits walls, doors, and cars is like unbelievable. He's SMRT. And please feel free to share more of your moose videos with us. That was a great laugh watching that dog barrel out the house, into the car, back into the house in like five seconds flat. So right now we want to spend a few moments expanding on something I learned about on Tuesday. It's called Active Aging Week. CJOB was on location at Refit Center at 1390 Taylor Avenue on Tuesday for their community health fair, which was part of a week-long open house. So for a few hours, I was welcomed into a genuine community focused on active aging. So let's learn a bit more about that. Joshua Stoller is a membership services supervisor at Refit Center. Joshua, good morning. Good morning, guys. Uh, happy to be here. Thank you. Well, we appreciate it. Appreciate your energy and active 
aging and, and, and aging in place conversations that we've been having for several weeks here on CJOB. What is Active Aging Week? So Active Aging Week is an event that happens in the first week of October each year. And the big thing is just trying to improve the education and awareness of the importance of uh, being active as we age. And, you know, that can start at any time, any age. Um, you know, it's certainly great to get more activity out of our lives and doing anything that we can to improve not just our lifespan, but also our health span so that we can stay as happy as healthy for as long as possible. And whether that be being able to be more active with our kids or with our grandkids or if, you know, we're weekend warriors playing sports um, on the weekends and want to make sure that we're feeling better on that Monday morning after, you know, the weekend games. Anything that we can do to improve our health and wellness is certainly beneficial, uh, both in the immediate as well as in the long term. So there might be those out there listening, thinking, yep, that's me. I already walk, you know, set regularly. I might even go to the gym. I watched a video of a 100-year-old woman skydiving yesterday. There's all sorts of people playing pickleball at different ages. There might be people out there doing that. But then there might be those, Joshua, that are thinking, I need to do that. But boy, is it too late. So is it too late for at any age to start a process like this? Not at all. Um it, there is always a space for someone to improve. And that's the biggest thing that we're working on is just looking to improve our health. As, as healthy as, you know, an individual may be, I'm sure there's some things that we can do to slightly improve, whether they've been, you know, uh, like you had said, a, a very active individual or they're just getting started out. We're not looking to, you know, go from zero to 60. We're just looking to improve a little bit each day. And whether that be being able to just walk around the block a few times or if we're looking to train for a half marathon, anything we can do to improve our health and wellness can certainly be beneficial. And that starts with just making incremental changes and seeing the, the benefits from there and then building upon that. Joshua, I recently turned 46, and it's occurred to me it's been a couple of years since I've been in a gym, and my knee, my right knee is always in pain, and uh, I just feel weak. You know, I've noticed that I'm just weaker than I used to be. And tonight, as part of your open house, you're hosting a speaker on the topic, strength is the currency of function. What's that about? Yes. Uh, so Rhea, our director of health and fitness, was able to secure uh, Dr. Neil Creighton to do a presentation. He's a renowned uh, sport physician in the community uh, for strength as the currency of function. And one of the big things is understanding the importance of staying strong as we age. And, you know, that can start at any time. You know, the, the benefits of having, you know, an increase in muscle mass um, and strength allows us to be safer in the event of falls. And then that allows, you know, our joints and muscles and everything to feel a lot better because we have that, that great foundation of strength to be able to move throughout the day, exercise, participate in sports and other activities. And that's just a great foundation that we can use to build upon there. As simple as like, if you're building a house and the foundation isn't as good, you know, you may run into problems later on. So if we can start by building a, a great foundation, then that allows us to, uh, you know, make everything else become a little easier. So we know a lot of people know, Joshua, that the Refit Center is a fantastic gym, but it's it's far more than that. In fact, it, I believe, is Canada's first certified medical fitness facility. It's, it's won honours uh, for uh, the role that it plays in our community. Can you just let people know how critical the Refit is in terms of prehabilitation for cardiac patients in Manitoba, and then rehabilitation following cardiac surgery here in Manitoba? 
Yes, absolutely. So one of the programs that the ReFit runs is the Cardiac Rehab Program, and that is a program that is a physician referral for anyone that has had a uh, health, uh, a heart incident, and kind of that reintroduction to physical activity post-heart incident. We understand and we now know the very importance of physical activity post-heart incident, but understanding that there may be some uh, additional concerns, so having the guise and uh, guidance of you know our certified health professionals and nurses on staff, being able to reintroduce them back to that uh, physical activity uh, shows uh, a great benefit to them. And on the other side is people that are obviously, you know, wanting to increase their activity, you know, to potentially prevent these incidences from happening or just increase their general wellness. They can still get a lot of the benefits of our our certified medical fitness facility uh, staff and facilities that they're able to, you know, increase their activity in a a safe environment where they can, you know, uh, assist, work with us, and just enjoy the benefits of physical activity from there. Joshua Stoller, Membership Services Supervisor at Refit Center. Thank you very much for the time. We appreciate this. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much, and have a wonderful day. And once again, the open house is on all week. It's part of Active Aging Week, and if you want more information on the Refit Center, just go to refit.com. That's R-E-H-F-I-T.com. And it, like it, some people might think, well, do I have to be a minimum age to go? No, like it, it's a, if you want to just go work out there, it's a great facility. There were lots of young people working out there, and there are lots of people who were more mature. And one of the things I thought that was pretty cool about it, the gym can be an intimidating place for a sure. lot of people. Just, you know, if there are a lot of big, big buff, strong people running around. But I, it was like just a lot of everyday people working out, trying to just, get, you know, Get a bit stronger. We and it's inspiring, it. Brett. Sorry, Greg. I was just going to say I've been there before. And when you look over and you hear some stories, like someone just finished a knee surgery or they're recovering from a heart attack, and then you see them just giving her, and you think, oh boy, like if that person can do it, I, I better get going. Will you bandy around this idea of world class things in Winnipeg? Sure, that That's one is of them. that is absolutely one of them, and and one that you can take advantage of. It's an incredible space, and if the geography works for you, I highly, highly recommend it. For a chance to win $25 voucher for Manitoba Turkey and five Turkey cookbooks, we are asking you this morning about the things you pay more for. And it feels like you're getting less, like Amber, who says, one of our runners up here, as my children become teenagers, they cost me more, and I definitely get less time from them. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) there it is. (laughs) Well, not if you're Greg and I, and you're you're driving them around. There's lots of time chauffeuring. Yeah, but my kids put up that uh, glass partition between the front seat and the back seat, so... Just rises up. Uh, excuse me, driver. A little bit less conversation. <laughs> Privacy, please. Cat pointing out the price of going to see a hairdresser. Cat says every it's gone up like sixty bucks. Um, you go for what a pair of scissors, never mind hair dye, two hundred dollars from one hundred dollars, and that's on the lower end. And that's something. Another thing that I've always. It, it, I don't know why it surprises me every time, Loren, but the cost to for a guy to go get his hair cut, like I pay around 25 bucks, I think, for my to go see my barber uh, versus the cost for a woman to get the hair cut. It depends on what you're doing, obviously, or the length of your hair, maybe your age if you're trying to die or not die and all the rest. But but $200 is probably the average of, of people I know. And, it, you know, it depends on if you're trying to cover that gray, of course, but hairdressers salons have had their costs go up. I know with the products they use 
And I don't know about Canada, but I was reading a report out of the UK that says that a quarter of salons there are worried about closing because of inflationary pressures. Wow. Not just because their costs are going up, but, but when you start to cut spending, say you used to go three times a year, now you go one. Or you might cut it out altogether. The gray hair movement was huge in the pandemic, and so they're really stressed about their future. We got to jump to our winner, who is Ed. Greg, Ed is in Cranberry Portage. Have you opened a box of KD lately? You take out the cheese pack. There's hardly enough macaroni for a meal for two. Got to add more noodles to get a full meal deal. Actually, like that with a lot of box goods. Oh, well. And Ed throws in, go Bombers! So Ed is our winner. Congratulations, Ed. You win the Manitoba Turkey Voucher, $25 and five turkey cookbooks. And then tomorrow we have our final VIP package for heebie-jeebies. And before we say hello to our next guest, Loren, we just wanted to sneak this one final comment in on the stuff we're paying more for and getting less. We didn't have time for Karen's in our last half hour. Well, we were just hearing from Sarah talking about how we're going to hear more from the federal government about stabilizing food prices and what might come out of that. And that's had a host of people weighing in on how they've seen shrinkflation impact some of their favorite products. So our winner at 9.15 talked about craft Dinner just kind of being so different. We've been talking about the size of Reese's Pieces, like all sorts of different things you might be eating, packaging on on chips and other. And Karen says they get less of glue sticks. They empty so fast. And so Karen says, I bought a three pack of glue sticks, noticed it was empty quickly on the first one that I used, so decided to check the other ones. Rolled up the stick and it was so short, probably could have fit all three sticks into one glue stick. And that's an interesting example, guys, because to me that you know, is that saying that they kept the package size the same, but then you roll, you don't realize that you're just getting less in there. So it's kind of the opposite of the shrinkflation. They're just shrinking what's in, mm. you know, like chips, the package has gone smaller and you have less chips in it. It's a great so, question. I, I also noticed that the peanut butter jar now isn't clear any longer. It's the same color as the peanut butter. And I don't know if they're hoping that you're going to leave more peanut butter in and throw more in the garbage, but I feel as though that it's purposeful and deceitful and they're out to get me. I could be completely wrong, but that's how it feels. (laughs) So thank you all for weighing in. That was fun uh, to discuss, but a lot of, you know, genuine things were pointed out and we're like, oh yeah, that's, that's kind of a problem. In the meantime, what we're about to discuss is a genuine Winnipeg success story of something with humble beginnings, which has very quickly grown and is getting ready for an exciting show on Saturday, the Rumble in the Burt. Devin Bray is co-owner of WPW Winnipeg Professional Wrestling, joins us now on the start. Devin, great to connect with you again. Good morning. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Well, hey, we'll discuss Saturday's event in a moment, but please take us back to when WPW began. I, I, I sort of remember it, but refresh our memory. When and where did you start? Um, late 2018, so uh, coming up on our five-year anniversary, we started shows at the Sherbrooke Inn on Sherbrooke there. It's, um, I don't know how to put it politely, but basically a dive bar. And um, it was very intimate setting, but very unique aesthetic. And... We kind of outgrew it after a couple of shows and then had the plan to go to the Western Cultural Center. But then obviously COVID hit and we put a pause on that. But ever since we came back, we've been at the West End and then at the Mantle Museum. And now we're gearing up for the BERT. So seen a lot of growth really fast. And I think people are just starved for some, you know, entertainment. 
you know, we talked to all sorts of businesses over the years, the last three particularly, about just, you know, you're in COVID and the impact that might have. And then there you guys are, uh, relatively new, then dealing with COVID. So you didn't even necessarily have that track record going for. And how tough was that for you? Well, we actually had an event booked uh, March 2020. And then of course, two, day, two <laughs> days later, um, COVID happened. We made the decision to shut it down. And then, then the world shut down. So we lost a lot of money on you know flights, insurance, and all that kind of thing. But we rebounded really quickly. We didn't even see a lot of refunds for that show. People held on to their tickets for literally like two years. And then when we came back, it's just been incredible. Most of our shows at the West End sell out before that show ends like we, we release our tickets during intermission and then it's sold out before the main event so sometimes within 20 minutes uh, we sell 350 tickets so now you mentioned fl- the cost of flights so how many of your wrestlers are local versus some of the performers coming in from other locations um it's, it's almost a bit of a business model now we have like probably six to ten local uh wrestlers and then we usually work with two car loads from Chicago or out West or Minneapolis. Uh, and then we fly in a couple of folks from Toronto, Vancouver, all, all over North America, really. Uh, our women's champion, Jody threat is from Toronto. So, uh, you know, we fly her in for every show, uh, at this, this Burt show, we actually have our biggest roster yet. There's about 35 wrestlers total. And I think over 20 of them are from, uh, all over, um, North America. Devin, obviously Winnipeg's impact on the pro wrestling scene has been evident since I was a little kid, uh, maybe now more than ever. Why do you think the, the success and growth of pro wrestling is, is as maybe impressive now as it's ever been? Um, it's hard to nail down, but I kind of attribute it to, you know, when you, when you go to a, a live you know, music show, comedy show, movie you kind of want to know what genre it is. Like, if you don't like country, you're not going to like a country music act. But at wrestling, it's kind of a catch-all for anyone. Like, a, a, a young kid can love it, and a, an 80-year-old can love it. Like, it, it just sort of runs the, the gamut that way. Um, it, at its most pure, basic, um, like, just therapeutic kind of a live event feel, uh, Winnipeg has a rich history, like you said, like the Burt actually had wrestling shows in 1909, 1911, and they have 1,600 people pack the Burt, uh, and then obviously into the AWA, and then coming into Jericho and Kenny Omega, so Winnipeg is a wrestling town, and we just love that we can carry that torch forward. Where are the wrestlers coming from? Are they mostly local or all over the place? No, all over. There's, uh, there's folks from Toronto, uh, Chicago, Minneapolis, um, Alberta even some Australian guys. Uh, we have a pretty diverse roster of men and women. And then, um, uh, yeah, a couple, couple local folks too. Like our champion, Bobby Shank is local, and he's actually in the main event against Tyler Colton, who's uh, Manitoba's strongest man. And if someone listening right now is like, man, I, I want to learn how to be a pro wrestler. Uh, where does one go in the city to do that? Uh, AJ Sanchez, he's one of our, our top top guys. He uh, trains locally, and he's trained a lot of the local folks that we work with. Um, so he runs an academy that starts the very, very basics, like how to take a bump, and um, then works up from there. A lot of guys start out as referees to get the hang of being in a ring and then sort of move up from there if they have the ability. You mentioned the fact that uh, once upon a time this theater hosted wrestling 
just talk about, I mean, it's such a fantastic venue for any event. Just the unique perspective you'll be able to get. Uh, are you selling tickets in, in, the, uh, in the upper deck, so to speak? Because that view from up there would be spectacular, Dev. We, we have the first balcony available. We didn't do the second one. Just we didn't think we would be able to hit the 1,400 that we needed to get up there. Um, hopefully next year, that would be great. Um, but we actually have seats on the stage as well, surrounding the ring. So it's very unique for fans. Like, I think when you walk into the Burt for any type of show, you really get a sense of how grand and historic and, and beautiful that venue is. Um, so it's really not going to be lost on anyone there. Even the performers too are just really excited to be somewhere so massive. Now, before we let you go, I got a couple of geeky questions I wanted to ask you because you're a wrestling guy. Um, one has to do with what happened on SmackDown a couple of weeks ago in Denver because The Rock showed up and it was a surprise to the audience. And I don't know in all of my years of watching wrestling that I've ever seen a crowd so hot that they just exploded. So we're curious in your opinion, I mean, he's one of the biggest performers of all time. What does a guy like that, would wrestling be like, because it's enjoying massive success right now, but would it be enjoying that success without a guy like, like the rock, like if he never wrestled? Um, that is a geeky question, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, think, I like it. I like it. A, a couple of guys came up at the same time. You know, you had Stone Cold Steve Austin at the same time. So um, there's always seems to be one or two sort of torchbearers for professional wrestling. Um, maybe right now there's a couple different ones, but no one's really been able to break through as that singular star. The Rock is in a world of his own. Like he's the one of the biggest movie stars. He's a Superman, basically. So. Um, he, he has the ability to just pop in like that and then probably leave in a jet 20 minutes later and not stay for the whole show. And so it, it, his story is a lot different than anyone else's and very unique and yeah, has made wrestling what it is today, I think. And then in the, uh, AEW, all elite wrestling, we just recently had uh, the, the man formerly known as edge, Adam Copeland jump from WWE to AEW. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of Canadians there. Chris, you mentioned Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega, uh, edges, former partner Christian is there. So what does that say about Canadian wrestling overall that so many of them are such big stars in that promotion? Well, you know, it's Canada's unique that way where we send a lot of our, um, Canadians down south, like look at Justin Bieber and all of the, you know, Jim Carrey and all these massive movie stars and artists that have made it big in the States, bigger than a lot of Americans can. Uh, Canada has dominated the wrestling scene for so long. Look at Bret Hart, um, you know, decades ago. Uh, Edge is really unique to Winnipeg and Manitoba too, where he would come here as a, as a struggling rookie and do those Northern tours where he would be driving on ice roads for, eight, 12 hours. And now he's one of the biggest wrestlers in the world. So I think the unique thing about local wrestling too, is sometimes you see guys and girls that maybe one day will be on WWE or AEW. And you can kind of look back and be like, Oh, I saw them in a, in a, at the Sherb. And now they're on Fox on Fridays. And for those, if you've never been to a local wrestling show, they are wild. Uh, they're super fun. So how do you, do you still have tickets left for Saturday? Yeah. Yeah, we just uh, hit over 950, and we're hoping to do about 1050. So uh, tickets available on Ticketmaster. You can watch all of our past shows on um, on our YouTube. They're all free and with commentary, and they look absolutely beautiful. So 
If you've never seen a show before, check us out and hopefully see you on Saturday. Right on, Devin. This is great stuff. Uh, congratulations on growing this product and uh, best of luck on Saturday. Can't wait to uh, hear how it all goes and, and help you get the word out about the next one. Thank you so much for having me on, guys. Have a great day. Devin Bray with Winnipeg Professional Wrestling, WPW. If you want to go to their website for more information, it's WPGProWrestling.com. And again, yeah, lo- local wrestling, there's just as, as big, as cool as it is to go to the, you know, the big promotions, to go to a local show with a more intimate audience. Um, the, the, the performers leave it all on the line. It is wild stuff. Super fun. And what a cool venue for a wrestling show. Oh, that's when you told me about that, you them using that venue. I mean, like I said, it's cool for anything. So historic, so beautiful, but the vantage point and the views that you'll get for this show, I think will be second to none. They'll be unique if nothing else. Brett, you're a young man still, but at 9 o'clock we talked about aging actively or actively aging. (laughs) Perhaps wrestling. (laughs) It's never too late. This is the theme. Uh, I'd probably break my knee in the very first attempt, but never know. I would like to learn how to do the figure four leg lock.